story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. So I'm here with uh, Jeff, who was a police officer. Now, do you do, are you for a specific city or is it just, or I don't know how that works? Yeah, so I work for a local uh, police department. So it's a city. Uh, Each city typically tends to have their own police department and those that do not contract with the sheriffs or another local city. Wow. Do you know that was the thing? I just figured like every city had its own like couple cars or something i don't know no it's a uh, police departments are a pretty big ticket item on a city's budget so some of them have them some of them don't and the ones that don't uh usually contract with the sheriff's department now i know i know that there are like police officers like you said for like cities and stuff but the highway patrol and i only know this because of super troopers because they would always argue about jurisdiction and shit is it really like that police officers and they're like, hey, get out. No, this was on the freeway, so this is ours. Or So you have your municipals, which are the city police. You have counties, which are the sheriff's department, and then state police, which we call ours the highway patrol. Otherwise, it would be like a state police or state troopers where, you know, in the New England area, they still call them troopers and stuff. Uh, and as far as fighting over jurisdiction, it's kind of the opposite. We try to give it to give it away and we're not fighting over work oh we're like no this happened on your side <laughs> like no it happened on your side roll the corpse over to the freeway it's your guys kick some debris across the line there and... uh gotcha okay so uh first question is from cindy is five miles an hour over the speed limit okay or do they still give people tickets for that so we we kind of have what's called the spirit of the law and the letter of the law Per the letter of the law, over is over, and you can be issued a citation. Kind of a dick move. So I think one of the socially accepted uh, ranges is 10 over. If you notice, a lot of people kind of hover around 10 over. Yeah. Um, you can still be cited for that. You can still be cited anywhere between you know, the limit and 10 over. Is it more of like if you're going eight over at like two in the morning, you're more likely to be pulled over versus eight over at like two in the afternoon? Well, I wouldn't say necessarily that because there's there's so many variables, you know, basically, if you're if you're being pulled over by someone in a car or something with four wheels, their primary function is typically patrol. So they're not their primary mission isn't to go issue citations, even though that particular officer may like issuing citations. It's kind of dependent on the individual. If you get pulled over by someone on a motorcycle, their primary function is traffic enforcement, and chances are you're going to get a ticket, and chances are they're going to be the ones with less lenient Uh, um, gaps, like, you know, maybe they'll write you for seven over. Gotcha. So if you see, like, a, a motorcycle cop they're specifically looking for shit you're doing wrong. 
Well, they're looking for traffic violations. That's their job, traffic. Gotcha, gotcha. What's the fastest you've ever seen a, a civilian go? They just zoom by like, what the fuck? What's the most egregious speeding you've seen? Um, well, right, well, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, so I, I've been a police officer for almost 15 years. Uh, four years of that I did as a traffic enforcement officer, and I rode a motorcycle. Um, so that's when you're sitting there working the radar or the laser or whatever. The patrol guys don't typically have that, at least in my department. So something else you got to understand is um, each department is very different from the other, and then especially from police departments to sheriff's departments to highway patrol. Uh, so I can't speak for everybody necessarily. But sure, yeah. um, the highest I've clocked anyone with a laser was uh, 140 on a surface street. Was that was that a car? Yeah. God damn, dude! Is is a motorcycle traffic violation? Is that kind of the standard, like starting out as a police your first few years? No. So traffic, uh, any specialized assignment is well, it is a specialized assignment. So patrol is your backbone of the police department. Everyone starts in patrol, and that's where you're responding to calls for service. So if you pick up the call, pick up the phone and you call the police, whether it's 911 or the non-emergency line, a patrol guy is going to respond. Now, in the downtime, if there is any downtime between calls, a patrol guy's responsibility is to drive around and look proactively for, for trouble, right? They're going to look in their gang areas. They're going to look in, you know, if car lots are getting hit by burglars a lot, they're going to increase patrols around there looking for suspicious people, uh, that kind of thing. So that's that's where everybody starts. For my agency, it's a smaller agency. Uh, we do not have permanent uh, special assignments because if we did, then someone would be stuck in patrol for 20 or 30 years before they ever got an opportunity to work a specialized assignment. Right. So our assignments run from three years to five years, depending on what they are. And then you come back to patrol. So everything is centralized around patrol. <clears throat> so if you were to get a traffic position, that's something that, you know, there's a handful of traffic positions available when one becomes open. Whoever's interested, we kind of put in, uh, we have to test for it. So we, we read a memo saying why we want it. And then we was like an interview panel, at least with my department. And then you get selected or you don't. When you say patrol, like, is it like in the uh, movies and TV show where like all the cops sit in like a room looking at this dude by the podium and he's like, all right, you two, you're taking this section. You two, you're taking this section. Is that how it's kind of like how you know what you're doing for the day? So that's briefing. Those uh, that that scene that you're describing is a briefing, and that's where your shift leader, or uh, for us, it's a sergeant. Other agencies that are larger, it could be a lieutenant. I don't know. Uh, tells you, it, it's where we we have an opportunity to sit down together and exchange information. Uh, you know, I don't talk to the guys that work graveyard. We we're like passing ships. So if something happened at night that we need to be aware about on the daytime and hey you know there's a suspect outstanding for this you know kind of hangs out in this area keep an eye out that's where that information gets passed around and then do you get to pick your partner or like hey, i really get along with uh, chad over here so in my agency uh the city we work for isn't super crazy so we don't run two-man cars we run one-man uh cars oh 
that way we can have more cars out there and spread our cops further out around instead of having you know if you put two guys in one car you reduce your your coverage by half essentially sure, sure. Um, so in order to cover more area we put one car one officer in a car but we roll two cars to a call right so when there's nothing going on we have better coverage but when something happens we send two units to it so there's still at least two officers on scene um okay so this is from shannon what do you keep inside your personal car and if you have kids what do you keep at your home for protection uh, i don't keep anything in my car because cars can be burglarized very easily uh, so i don't keep anything in there um it's always on me but yeah i'm always carrying uh, a pistol oh this is also from shannon what what are your thoughts on mandatory body cams i i love it i don't know why anyone would fight it uh, our agency so you get old people right guys have been doing it for decades and they do not embrace change very well um <laughs> yeah and they're conspiracy theorists so they're like oh they're just gonna watch what we're doing all the time and write us up for every stupid little thing well first of all if you're not doing anything wrong then you have nothing to worry about is my mentality right yeah. uh, but at the same time i can't tell you how many times a citizen tried to complain about me and make something up and the body camera prevented it from ever going to ia because the sergeant could just look at the video and be like this person's full of shit same with the uh the, the the camera on your car right yes yeah so we do have cameras on our cars and our bodies some agencies don't uh, they need to get with the times if you're asking me now is is there um is there like illegal ramifications if a civilian tries that shit uh, on on you guys or no and it's so stupid so they could just come over lie through their teeth about something and launch some internal affairs investigation which they're extensive and stressful so even though i know i didn't do anything wrong just having an open case like it just hangs over your head you know yeah it's like a it's like the, if the irs doesn't audit on you even though you didn't do anything wrong yeah you know so at the end of it there's three dispositions there's um exonerated which means they found that it just didn't happen uh, there's unsubstantiated, which is they can't prove it one way or another. And then I can't remember what the other one's called because I've never been, <laughs> I've never had one that that went. It's fired me. is probably. <laughs> you know what? They, they're always screaming for that. You're under arrest. Okay. What? You have the right to remain silent. Anything you do or say can be used. Um, what's the next part? As a flotation device. As a flotation device. Oh, you know what? That's very funny. I've never Miranda'd anyone before. Really? Um, this is from Molly. So first question, what is the worst thing you've ever seen? Okay, so get this a lot. Um, and I never have an answer. Because when you see so much terrible stuff, there's so many different kinds of worst. It, it gets divided into different types of worse. Okay, three, uh, <laughs> three, 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 three horrible things from that top tier. Uh, obviously, anything involving um, serious harm or death to a child is a serious, like, mindfuck. It's terrible. Um, and that was before I had kids of my own. Once I had kids of my own, 
anything child related was just super sensitive. I responded to a call of a, a that came in as a child not breathing. And when we get on scene, it's clear that he's dead and he's maybe three years old. Um, and it's just, you know, it's it was, it was an accident. He was climbing on something, it fell over and it crushed him. And, you know, it's like seeing that and then the family's reaction and trying to maintain your composure to try to, you know, it's like, it's just, it's terrible. And, and just anything with kids, man, it's just terrible. Um, so, okay, so when I was in the academy, uh, my mentality was I'm gonna do patrol, I'm gonna chase bad guys, I'm gonna try to get on SWAT, chase like the hardcore bad guys and clean up the streets, right? That was my, yeah. my mentality, like, you know, how uh, naive. Um, <clears throat> never had I thought, like, yeah, you know what, I wanna get into traffic, I wanna run around and investigate traffic collisions and write tickets. You know, that seemed pretty lame. But in the first four years of my career, I realized I've seen more people killed by car accidents or DUI drivers than I had homicides, uh, gang violence, drug overdoses, any of them, car accidents and drunk drivers. And so that's when I, I went to a scene. It was a father and son. They were hit by a teenage drunk driver who blew a red light. Um, they were on the way to a debate. The kid was like some super smart debate captain guy mm-hmm. on a Saturday morning. And uh, this knucklehead comes through, blows a red light, kills him and his dad. Um, so looking in the car uh, and then just realizing you could just be doing going about your day and someone else can take you out. And it's not even anything with malice, you know, nothing personal. You're just doing your thing. Like you never even had a chance. Yeah. Um, I called my parents on my way home and I hardly ever call my parents. So whenever time, and every time I call my parents, <laughs> the phone, like what's wrong? It's like, Hey, you know, and I just told them that I loved them. You know, I was, I left the station and I was like, you don't tell people that you love them enough because you just never have that opportunity again. What 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 made it so? Was there just like gnarly stuff in the car that made it? No, happen? not that one. Not that one. It's just you know, dad's stuck in the driver's seat, sons in the passenger seat, and they're just kind of laying there against each other. So it's a it's a much older car that they were driving. It didn't have any side impact airbags or anything like that. Uh, and they took such a hit from the side that we believe their heads ended up hitting each other. And then that's how the trauma that they suffered that killed them. Um, and they're just kind of laying there against each other. And, you know, it doesn't have to be gory. It's just you're looking at that. Like these two of them, you know, half of a family were just gone. And then when we do the investigation and you find out more about it, it's like, dude, dad wasn't even supposed to drive him. It was supposed to be mom. But she couldn't find a shoe. And then dad's like, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take him. Don't worry about it. Oh, my right? God, dude. How does she feel? Holy so, like, if, think about it. 
You know, if they just waited for mom to find the shoe or if she never lost the shoe, they wouldn't have been in that exact spot at that exact time to have been hit by their car. Right. Even, you know? even a one second difference. Like if they lost their keys for a few seconds and then found yeah. it or something or. So it's, it's just things like that. Cause you're thinking it's like, dude, you know, it, sometimes things happen for a reason. Sometimes it's chance. I don't know, man. When you see, you know, the stuff with the kids, you know, I don't know, like abuse or or a death or something. Like, how, how do you keep your like? I don't even have a kid, so I don't like if I if I responded to a scene and someone beat and killed a husky, I lose my mind because I'd be thinking of Kaya. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's not even a child, so I can't imagine like what triggers inside of you. So how do you rein that in or? you know, or not go off on this guy who did this to this kid or it's, it's very hard actually. So uh, the first uh, sexual assault I had against a child, uh, it was like a live in friend of a family in this apartment. Um, so I'm doing the investigation kind of towards the end of it. And that guy comes home and I'm new dude. Like I was, I think I might have had a year on tops. Um, and I look up, and the guy that I was with, my partner, super senior guy, saw my face, put a hand on my shoulder, and was like, you stay here, partner. I'll, I'll go talk to this guy. Turn around. Hey, man, let, let's talk outside. Took him outside. Um, you know, it, it's definitely easier now with more experience um to control all that because one you know i can't do that i can't you know i can end up in jail lose my job what have you and i have a family to support um not worth it even though as badly as we would want to and two we need to maintain that integrity of the investigation and everything just to make sure that that and have faith in the system that at least it will take care of it for us or and I, I don't think that it gets anybody any real satisfaction at the end of the day, but there's some sort of penalty. And, you know, that's that's what I got to believe in. You know, it's a system that I work for and I, it's broken most of the time. But, yeah. Have you ever had like um like a known sexual predator or rapist or something like that? And then you respond to a call and it's like one of the victims got revenge and and kill them and you're like i don't even feel bad about this at all that's whatever cool hey not that you high five the person but <laughs> you know but like oh no this sucks has that ever happened um nothing like nothing like that not a i don't think i've ever even heard of a case where i guess sexual assault victim went after their their attacker or anything like that but I probably watched too many movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, but I'll use game violence. You know, if I roll up and there's a drug, I can't really feel that bad for him. I'm going to do what I can to, sure, sure. to you know, ensure that they survive and um, go after, you know, the suspect and what have you. But it's not like, it's definitely the complete opposite of rolling up on a child. You know, it's like, yeah, hey, you chose this life, bro. Like, <laughs> exactly. you know? yeah, yeah. And then they're always the ones calling 911, dude. Like, hey, this, these guys are driving by. It's like, hey, when I drive by, you give me a finger. It happens. Where are you guys? How come you're never here? Like, what the? <laughs> right. 
Make up your mind, dude. Um, uh, also, the other question from Molly How has this job slash career negatively affected you? Meaning physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, family, health. So, if I can remember all of those different. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's, uh, I would say it actually brought me uh, to spirituality. Oh. Yeah, so I've always been kind of back and forth um, between being an atheist and and a Christian. Um, but I've seen some stuff that I'm just like, you know what? I did, there has to be. Like what? Like what? I, 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 I should have died so many times uh, by now. <laughs> and, and I haven't. And I haven't even been crazy. When I was on the motorcycle, I got hit by a car in the freeway. Um, they merged into my lane and almost crushed me into the center median. Um, but I didn't, not only did I you know, come out almost unscathed, but I never crash crashed. I didn't like lay the motorcycle down. I ended, I stayed up on two units. So I felt like I should have died then. Christ, I feel nervous talking about this because now it's like you're jinxing yourself. And then if something happens, it's, oh God, I don't like this. No, I, I say it all the time because when, when oh, okay. I, you know, talk about um, how I it was brought towards Jesus, that's, something that I could tell. And other things, it's just put me into touch with other people. And it was interesting that three groups of people approached me and invited me to church in a span of a couple of weeks. And those people mm -hmm. don't talk to each other. So it wasn't like a coordinated effort on their part. Um, so I felt like it was a coordinated part, uh, effort on his part, putting all these people in my life at that time and encouraging me to go with them. That's cool. So just other things. You look at you look at how some people survive something, and it's like just millimeters, man. Millimeters difference, or we're talking about seconds. Um, and, you know, I just I feel like there's something else involved, not just chance. Uh, so yeah. I feel like the job brought me uh, to Jesus. Um, and then uh, mentally, uh, it's not a huge... Uh, macho thing to say and it's all, and it's almost taboo it's becoming more and more accepted um in law enforcement but i've i've talked to a therapist um there was a time where i was like man i wasn't feeling anything like i don't know if you've ever been like really depressed <laughs> but apparently when you're depressed the, um, the guy who was in the hospital with me when i got my yeah 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 i, I remember that uh, you know, you don't have to thank me for that, dude. So, you know, I, I realized I wasn't um, in a good spot because I had just, like, the longest relationship I was having at the time was maybe, like, three or four months. And I was like, you know what? The common denominator here is me. So something's got to be up. Um, and then I went and talked to a therapist and kind of realized, you know, yeah, I wasn't feeling bad, like to, like you would think. Um, when you hear the word depressed, like I wasn't sad all the time or whatever, but I wasn't happy either. Just numb. You can't, yeah, you just can't turn off one set of feelings. 
and be happy all the time. If you, if you turn off your phone, you just turn them off. So was it like, you know, you, you would go to, you'd, you'd go to a crime scene or something and you just didn't feel anything or, or, or do you just mean just your whole life? Like just all of you, even off the clock, you felt nothing. Yeah. Everything, everything, everything. Gotcha. Uh, so, so that's, that was where it's like, okay, yeah. My job and maintain whatever at the crime scene or whatever. When I would go home or go on a date, it's just like, it's just sitting there, you know, um, how did you overcome that? Just have to talk about it um, and get away from other cops because we tend to stick around, stick with each other. It's easier. We understand each other. Um, it's easier to communicate a lot of things with other cops, but you got to stay grounded in the rest of the world and just and have friends that aren't cops. So you got to, you know, uh, hang out with them. Like not get institutionalized. Yeah, have real conversations, you know, because you go to you you go to work, you talk cop stuff, and then you go hang out with your cop buddies, and you're talking cop stuff. That's it. You, you gotta do other things. That makes sense. Um, let's see. <laughs> Is the donut stereotype legit? Yeah, you know, everyone's all trying to be healthy and getting a CrossFit and all this other crap. Um, I eat donuts. I like donuts. <laughs> I eat stuff because I like food. Um, I like flavors. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, you know, the problem is kind uh, uh, of gained their, their mass there was because what is there to eat at four in the morning, right, for the graveyard guys? Oh, right. And there wasn't anything. Now there's, you know, you got other things that are open. But before, it was just the donut shops getting up, getting ready for breakfast. Do you eat for free, like when you go places, when you're on the shift or something like that, or a discount? There are places that that do that. Um, I don't target them. There are there are cops that will only eat in places that offer <laughs> discounts and stuff. But you know, like I said, I like food and I make enough paper food, um, so I just eat whatever I want. But yeah, there's a couple, and there's times where you know it's embarrassing to be honest with you. Like if I show up and you know, oh yeah, you know, here's a discount, and, dude, and there's like ten people behind me. And they give me side eyes, like, what? oh, this guy discounts. You know, I don't need it. I, I try to insist on paying, and sometimes it's their company policy, and they have no say in it, like in and out, oh, Chick-fil-A. It's like, that's their company policy, you know? It's like, wow. I guess I, I, I figured that a lot of places would do that just because it's their places are safer if there's, like, a cop car in the parking lot, you know what I mean? That's probably like an incentive. Like you both kind of benefit from that. Yeah, for sure. There's some places like that. Um, there was there was a, a place that I had gone to, and they had just opened a few months prior. But the owner had been assaulted in the parking lot by a group of kids, and uh, so she was more than happy to have us around and trying to give us discounts and stuff. I'm like, you just opened your store, like make a profit. You know, like you're good. I'm here to eat your chicken. Like, you're good. <laughs> you don't need to give me a discount. Wednesday was National Coffee with a Cop Day. And something tells me cops like their coffee black with a couple of shots in it. <laughs> what kind of things does the police force do to try and change uh, public opinion? Hmm. Well, try a lot of things. So, one of the things, like, so I'm, I'm talking to you right now, right? Mm -hmm. Um. One of the things that we do, right, if you've seen any of these, like coffee with a cop or something like that, right? Um, 
And I like those events. I really do. If you think about it, your normal police contact is always negative, right? There's some sort of negative association, Mm -hmm. whether that's, uh, we're taking enforcement action against you, writing you a ticket or something, putting you in jail for something, or you're going through something bad enough that you called us to help. Right. Right. So there's always some sort of negative association, even when we're helping. So those public events give us an opportunity to talk to people face-to-face in a more casual setting where no one's getting a ticket or fine walking away in handcuffs. And people can ask us questions if they don't understand something, and we can try to educate them, right? Which is why I'm talking to you on this. Yeah. Because this this gives us an opportunity to do that. Because um, our policy, most department policies have pretty strict uh, media type um, rules and stuff. But in my opinion, this podcast is very similar to a coffee with the cop. So I don't see it as an issue. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm great. But having said that, my opinions are mine. And <laughs> so we, we hold these events. We participate in um, to get people to the opportunity to see us, talk to us one-on-one. We're people, just like everybody else. What? All right. Sorry about that. There's an ant on the table going after his Crisis averted. Uh, so we do those types of events. Um, but what, I mean, what else can we do, you know? Yeah. Because I see stuff on TikTok of like, this cop pulled over and played basketball with these kids. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. But then I'm like, was a chief like, okay, guys, here's the memo today. Like, <laughs> go, play, go play basketball with some kids. Or like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I can tell you, we have never been instructed to do stuff like that, at least my <laughs> department. Um, and it actually drives me a little crazy to see some of that when you know it's like staged, you know? Oh, yeah. If it's some, you know, they're doing it and uh, a citizen records it and posts it and it goes viral, cool. But if the department's posting it, I don't like it. Yeah, it's like pandering almost, like forced. Yeah, you know, so I'm on our social media unit, right? You're not going to see me posting stuff like that. Sure. Um, you know, it's like the it's like the guys going up and, you know, giving homeless guys a ton of money or food or something and recording it. It's like, well, what are you doing? Are you yeah, or buying them food. Yeah. So that stuff happens all the time with, with our guys. We do that. You know, it just doesn't always get recorded or make go viral, but it doesn't have to, right? At the end of the day, I serve the community that I serve, right? And this is kind of like when the when the media is kicking us in the nuts over something that happened across the country, it affects me a little bit. Um, it's affecting public perception of police officers as a whole, which affects me a little bit. But really the citizens in the city that I work for, they know us because we do these events. We meet them, they meet me. And at the end of the day, I have their support. And that's all I really need because I'm not, I don't work for Tennessee. I don't work, <laughs> I work for this one agency. Right. So we do a lot of things. The police association does stuff. Uh, you know, we've, we've bought 
kids' bicycles that have gotten their bikes stolen and stuff, and it's their only means of getting around. We've we bought them stuff, and and all it takes is an officer on scene to say, "Hey, I just took this report. This kid had his bike stolen. You know, this email to the association president. Hey, can we spend a couple hundred bucks and get him a new bike?" And it usually happens, um, but that's not stuff that we 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 go around bragging about, you know. Yeah, because then it looks like cheap and fake. Yeah. Right. Um, let's see. Uh, do you, do you really get one phone call when you get arrested? No, you can make all the phone calls you want. So, so how come when the knowledge shows, it's like, uh, I, you owe me my one call or whatever that is. Is that just a bullshit? Well, because you're, you're in, you're entitled to one. That doesn't mean you only get oh, one. Oh, so the bare minimum is one. Yeah. So I, I, at least in the, our jail, there's a phone in your cell. You can call whoever the whole time you're in there. Uh, other places, you know, they might not have the phone in the cell, so it might be more problematic to get you your calls or whenever you, if you feel like you want to call someone whenever, maybe that doesn't happen over there. But in our cells, there's phones in each one. So. Oh, okay. This is from Lindsay. What is your stance on defunding the police? And for this one, I'm pretty sure she's asking about because there's you know how there's 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 two I don't know what you would call them two uh, modes of this idea. Thought one is just straight abolishing police, which is kind of suicidal. Um, <laughs> that's you're asking for the purge, but and then I think I'm pretty sure what she's asking for is the the reallocating of funds to like. For, so for me, my opinion on it, on term, not on this specifically, but just in general, I think cops, and maybe you don't feel this way, I have no idea, but I think cops are called for too many fucking things. Like, my neighbor's dog is barking or some shit. I don't, I don't know. Like, so many, like, insignificant, like, like, you guys should be used for the serious shit. Like, someone just threw a fucking grenade at <laughs> Thomas or something. You know what I mean? Not... Oh, there's, you know, my cat scratched my neighbor or some bullshit. Like, I think we're stretching cops too thin. And I think it would be good if somehow we could create a, like a sub police force that handled all the, the little useless stuff. That way you guys could just focus on the main stuff. Yeah. So I am 100% with you on that. Um, so here's the problem. If you defund the police department as it is and reallocate some funds. You are going to lose some services. So it, it depends on what you're willing to trade, right? Reallocating funds and then say setting up some better mental health outreach or something like that, right? Is is kind of what you're leaning towards, I think. Yeah, I mean, ideally, you wouldn't allocate anything, you would just add more funds, ideally. So that's, right. yeah, so that's ideally what would happen is we would just, set aside other funds to fund other uh, public service type um, entity, right? Mm -hmm. There's other agencies out there that will tell you, go pound sand, we're not coming. <laughs> that's, not really? a, that's not a police issue, right? Like if you call for something and they're like, yeah, that's not, we're busy, right? My agency is not that agency. 
we will come out for everything. It might take us some time because on the priority thing, you know, we triage and while you're waiting in line, maybe something else serious came in and bumped you down. So it's not like first come, first serve. It's just, it's a triage. So I will tell you, okay, one of the dumbest calls I've ever gone to <laughs> was a, a lady. She called because she ordered a Whopper with no onions and they put onions on it. And she called the police, dude. Oh my God, dude. That's, I mean, clearly that's, that's a three cop situation. <laughs> I get there. That's a SWAT team thing. And I'm like, what? Did you tell them that they messed up your burger? She's like, no, I didn't. I was like, do you want me to arrest the guy that put onions on your burger? She's like, no, I just want a new burger. Well, how do you think the police are going to get you that burger? Like, do you want me to make this burger? Like, what? I don't understand why. I'm, you know, um, I so badly, and I know I never will for legal purposes, but I so badly want to copy the paperwork for that. Well, there's no paperwork. I mean, we're not going to take a report. Oh, damn. Actually, you know what? There's there's one that gets similar, but it's at Taco Bell. And uh, <laughs> it, not only did she ask for police, but this lady asked for medics because now she's got anxiety attack. Oh, God. Yeah, so, you know, think about it. If, if someone calls for paramedics and the dispatcher's sitting there, they can't decide whether it's legit or not. And if they refuse to send you paramedics, there's the liability. So if anyone asks for medics, they're coming. You know? Yeah, better safe than sorry to cover your ass, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so, you know, arguing over a seven-layer burrito, you need a cop <laughs> and some paramedics? Sure. Sir, he did not, in fact, run for the border. So it, it's it's crazy. You know, we get calls. My kid doesn't want to go to school, and the kid's like six. It's like, dude, pick up your child, throw them in the car, and take them to school. You know, um, what am I supposed to do? Uh, you have more authority over your child than I do. Right. Yeah. He's not breaking the law. And even if he was, as a six-year-old, I'm just going to give him back to you. Do you know how? Yeah. I can't fix what they screwed up in 17 years. You know. Yeah, you're not a family therapist. But that's the thing. So we were talking about the types of calls that we respond to, right? Mm-hmm. I, when we go to mental health calls, I'm not a mental health professional. I get, I don't know. 10 hours of mental health training a year as required by the state. What is that like? Is that like you just, you just watch a video or. Uh, we usually get social workers and people, but it's, it's a day and we're, we're expected to perform as full on psychiatrists or therapists and stuff that have years of training. Right. Um, you know, and so what what happens is, so let's say we, we, we got on this topic because of the defunding. So mm-hmm. we're, we're circling back. We have resources out there. There's county resources out there. So let's say your roommate is going crazy and you call the police and we're like, well, what's he doing? He's like, oh, he's screaming at himself and this, that and the other, breaking his own things, not a crime. We'll give you the phone number for mental health and say is that good enough or do you really want to cop to you're like well let's try this you call mental health and they send out a social worker they call us why do they call us because this has a very potential a very very strong potential and social workers aren't trained or prepared for violence and we are right so even if you want to let's say you want to defund the money from fund these other systems 
they're still going to call us and we're still going to the calls. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not going to remove us from a mental health call. So I think the the desire, with especially after an incident where you know someone family member calls because one of their family members is going through something, and obviously they're not calling us to exercise violence, but at the same time something happens that, you know, they become violent and we need to do something about it. Um, that's usually the ones that gets reported on, um, and gets the negative attention, but. If you send a social worker, they're still calling us to that scene before they approach that house. Yeah, I didn't think about that. That's true. So it's not removing us from the picture. Other than defunding or reallocating, I mean, what, what would be the ideal fi- or, or one possible fix? You know, I, like I said, I'm not a mental health professional, but I feel like in my my almost 15 years, I've seen a huge increase of responding to these types of calls. And it's not that we've started responding to them out of nowhere. We always have. It's just the frequency is going up. So I don't know what's causing it. I don't know if it's the food, if water or what, cell phones. Just in the last few years? 5G. I don't know, man. Uh, Something's (laughs) causing people drugs. A lot of it's drug-induced mental health issues. Um, You know, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, I know for a fact we would we do not like going to those calls. We don't. Uh, if if there was a way to stop us from one of those calls, we would be all. Why is that? Just because it's almost like there's no real solution to them. There's no cure. So sometimes we don't see them for a while because they've been doing their meds well, uh, and then sometimes we see them almost every day. And there's never usually any crime. It's just that they're out of control, and it's like. Okay, but there's no crime, right? And and we started out as law enforcement. And so when there's no laws broken, what authority do I have to do anything to this person, right? Well, he's breaking things in the house. Well, it's his things or, or community property, you know? Um, yeah, you're still shackled to like the law right. and nothing beyond that, yeah. And so they, then they're like, well, we don't feel safe. It's like, okay, well, he lives here. It's his house. I can't kick him out. And nothing stops you from leaving, right? But who wants to leave someone in their house that's breaking it and tearing it apart? So it puts everyone in a terrible position. And I can only imagine what it's like to be that family member to have reached a point where it's like, okay, you know, we've dealt with this for how many years? I mean, they're the most intimate to that individual. And if they don't know what to do, how am I supposed to know what to do? Um, so it puts us in a position because we want to help and we can't, and then it can go sideways and someone can get hurt unnecessarily. And it's like, you know, it's just, it's just kind of a lose lose for us. What is a protocol for an officer who kills someone in line of duty? How long before they're allowed back on the job? Is there any training or therapy or is, or is that just in the movies? Yeah, so uh, they're automatically placed on administration uh, until they pass a psych. So 
So like, is that like a, a week or, 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 a, or a few weeks? It, it, it can vary depending on each case. So let's say someone is struggling after the shooting and the psych doesn't clear them for duty. Maybe they just gotta wait until they get cleared. Some guys can come right back in a few days and some guys can take a little longer. Depends on the individual. It's probably like, um, like guys that are from the military who are just used to that whole thing to them it's just like it's not really not that's not a big deal but they can recover you know from them probably quicker than the others would you say i don't know um the shootings that i have that i know people have been involved in I've, i have not been involved in the shooting myself um it's just a different it's different you know when they're in the military and and i was not in the military so it's just talking to my my partners a lot of the times they're shooting from really far away and they're not even sure if they actually hit the guy or not or who they hit you know um so you know they're just engaging these people from, they don't know which one they hit or or what have you and this it's much more intimate um so i don't know i don't know if it's if they can cope and how they cope differently um but it's a different it's a different type of shooting so i would say it's how it is i would suspect that it's different so this is from ken <laughs> i kind of want to change the wording on this uh let's just put it out there hold on uh <laughs> okay wait let me how many, should i ask this have you ever known whatever i'll just ask i'll just read what ken wrote and then whatever have you ever thought about planting evidence because you knew a person needed to be locked up not that you did it but you thought about it or if you knew someone who did no um one it's not like i'm carrying around stuff in my pockets <laughs> just like a ziploc bag of meth yeah it's I, i've never thought about it <laughs> i i think the spirit of his question was have you ever been tempted to like make sure a bad guy goes to jail even if that meant you doing something illegal or something no because they usually do a pretty good job of making sure we can do that already and, and then the guys that we contact all the time, like, we're not worried. Like, okay, he got me today, but I'll get you tomorrow. You know, it's, <laughs> it's you know, there's, there's ones that we deal with all the time. It probably feels good when that happens. It's, it, it, it honestly, it's like a game, dude, uh, especially with these little gangsters that we're dealing with. Um, you know, they'll be out, they'll be running around. We know who it is. I mean, they tattoo their faces. It's pretty clear. Um, and sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. Um, how often does do your emotions conflict with your ability to enforce the law? I'm not entirely sure I understand that question. I think what he's asking is like, do you have, like how often do you have to make hard decisions that go against what you feel? Like, uh, I guess we just kind of talked about that, like letting someone or. Like, how hard is it to let a bad person go when you know they're going to do something again or hurt someone? Like, there's not enough evidence or not, not enough something to, to, to cuff this guy, but you just know in your gut they're, they're going to do something. And then, of course, so we play the long game. Just because you're going to leave in the scene of your own free will today doesn't mean we're done. You know, it's going to go to detectives. They're going to start digging around and we'll see whatever we can see. And if we can put a case on you in a week or two weeks, three weeks, whatever, we'll do it. <laughs> so 
Oh, so like if you have a bad feeling, you can go to the to detectives and be like, hey, can you keep an eye on this guy? And then they'll just kind of watch it. No, because so whatever this event is that, that we're investigating, it doesn't all get investigated right then and there. And that's it. Right. That's that's like TV movie stuff. Everything's done and solved in an hour. Oh, okay. You know, I'm going to write my initial report, collect all that evidence that I can. And then it's going to go to a detective who's going to do additional follow up, go look for more evidence, do all, all this other stuff that they have time to do because they're not patrolling. Um, you know, and we're going to gather more evidence. And once we get enough or sometimes we don't, you know, it is what it is. So, you know, you can't can't kick ourselves too hard for that. Now, if you screw something up and and they get off because of it, then, yeah, you're going to kick yourself. In the- but, oh. you know, if sometimes you just have witnesses that don't want to cooperate, right? They're scared. Um, things like that. Like, those are out of our control. You can only do what you can do. Um, I would say yeah. there was one time where I arrested and I wasn't happy about it. Usually you're pretty happy. Um, but basically, I, I and this is where I feel you know the systems uh, failed this guy is he's he uh, ongoing problem with his brother in law that lives a block over. His brother in law comes over, taunts him. You know, he's been goading him for a long time, talking all kinds of crap, caused all kinds of problems with their family. And this guy keeps calling and saying, "Hey, this guy keeps coming to my house and doing all this stuff. What can I do?" Like. Is he trespassing? No, he's not trespassing. He's on the sidewalk. It's I can't do anything. It's not against the law. Go get a restraining order, right? So then he can't come near you, come near your house. The guy goes to court. They don't give him a restraining order. And then this guy comes over, and they, a fight happens. And this guy is, the, the, the brother-in-law is freaking huge. And then this other guy, this poor guy, he's not. like He's not a fighter at all. And he pulls out a knife to defend himself and stabs this guy in the face jesus Christ. we have to take that guy to jail because oh. he used a weapon right it's like he is the victim for sure like we told that like, i felt for them i felt bad for them you know and but he was in jail for a day you know and it's like it didn't feel that that's one that doesn't feel good yeah yeah jimmy when's the last time you had a desk pop september 08. be a man do this now Please, do, please, do. Pop one off. There you go. Pop it off. Don't think, just Don't go. Do it. Do it. Yes. Oh, 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 not intentionally, uh, but they, you know, so cops are constantly around guns. We're carrying them all the time. They become like cell phones, right? It's just an object to us. Um, so I, in my almost 15 years, I am one of our range master instructor for the department. Uh, so I teach firearms and I run our shooting range. We have our own. Uh, Glocks, if you're not familiar in order to take them apart, you have to pull the trigger to get the slide, the top part off from the bottom half. Oh, shit. Yeah, right? <laughs> so you have to make sure that it is empty before you try to take it apart. There's a couple times where it was not empty, and, you know, 
there's I, I create little plaques with the officer's name and the date that it happened, and I put them on the bullet hole in the wall. Hall of shame. So yeah, you know, so it's funny because we're gonna give you shit for it. Um, it's not funny because someone could have been seriously hurt. Fortunately, nobody was in these instances. Um, but you know, we're gonna you know, city guys come over and they want to patch the hole in the wall. There, like that's that's for us. Like, so I put a plaque over the hole with their name and their the date of the negligent discharge. And uh, it's a, there's a little reminder for the rest of us. Yeah, we're going to keep giving you crap for it, but hey, make sure your stuff. You should have just framed put a frame around that hole and then put the plaque like over it, like on top of it or something. That's amazing. That's a good idea. I should could go find little tiny frame. Yeah, just like a, a, over the little hole and then like, and then that's that that's the like the award. <laughs> that's a good idea. Um, let's see. Oh, how hard is it on everyone's significant others and kids when you hear news of a cop getting killed in the line of duty? So my wife is a cop, uh, so it's easier for oh, me. Oh, that helps. She, yeah, she 100% understands um, the stuff that I'm going through and dealing with. Um, my prior girlfriends when I was an officer, you know, they don't get the time constraints and like they, I can get called in and it's like, ruin holidays or I'm missing holidays and birthdays and all that stuff they just they don't get it they want me to be there I get it I'd rather be there but it's the job right um we don't get days off um well we get days off but we don't have bankers hours like organizing this was kind of a pain in the butt because I work weekends and you don't (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so my kids aren't old enough yet for that to become an issue um but hopefully by the time that they're playing sports and things, you know, I'll have a schedule where I can be at those practices and be at those games and things. Um, uh, missed holidays, missed uh, birthdays and things like that. Um, to me, it's been so long. Uh, they're just days. You know, I might miss that that exact day, but we're still celebrating a day or two before or after, you know? Yeah. What percentage of police would you guess are, quote, bad apples? Percentage. Gosh, I couldn't even venture a guess. Um, I only know the guys that I work with. And there have been a couple at my department, and they're gone. So we, when we find them, we get rid of them. Um, preferably before they fuck something up that gets us national attention. <laughs> what do they do or say or how do they act where you're like, I that's a red flag. I don't like that. What, what, what is it? What tips you off, I guess? To that? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like we walk this line where the closer you are to criminals, the better you understand them, the better it is or easier it is to find them and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> but if you're seeing something and it, you know, we we're supposed to be trained to recognize suspicious behavior, even amongst ourselves. Right. Some guys might choose to overlook it or whatever. Um, but I haven't seen that in my department. At least we have had no problems getting rid of guys that, that didn't need to be around. And we did it before they did anything stupid. What did you do? Like, is it like just tell HR or your chief or what's the. No, no. It's so even though we work for the city and HR is the ultimate umbrella, everything goes through our chain of command as a paramilitary. Uh, structure. Um, so I, w- I would notify my sergeant 
and my sergeant would notify uh, professional standards or IA. Gotcha. And then they'll do their thing. And once they're ready, they'll present their investigation to the captains, the chief, who will get the city involved and say, hey, city attorney. It's like, because, you know, it's we're a, a union as well. So before they can fire anyone, they have to make sure all the ducks are in a row. Um, but if it's anything serious, they'll put them on administrative leave to prevent them from being able to do something stupid in the interim. Like if we're, if we, if it's a terminable offense or something, you know, we suspect would result in termination, um, they're going to be on administrative leave during that investigation. Is paperwork really 90% of your job? Yeah, it's retarded. <laughs> it's it's absolutely. And it's one of the frustrating things as a training officer is people's report writing abilities these days are terrible. And I blame technology. The TikTok generation? No, I, I just blame technology, right? I mean, you send a text message, it autocorrects and all this stuff. Using a computer and stuff, it's autocorrect and all this stuff. And we even have the ability to date our I'll speak into a recorder and someone will type it up later. Um, wow. But the content, the grammar, and, you know, sometimes, you know, during training, we make them type their own re technology goes down and sometimes they'll have to type and you're just looking at this stuff. And it's, it's, it makes my brain hurt. Um, the next question from Shannon was, what's the most frustrating aspect of your job? All the different things that we respond to, the different hats that we wear, we're social workers, we're family therapists, we're, we're the only 24-7, 365 resource for people. If you can't figure something out, they basically, they just call the police. They call 911, I, I can't figure this out, and we're supposed to help you. Uh, it doesn't matter what it is anymore. Um, it's just responding to things that don't need police officers. Like Taco Bell? Yeah. Um, or, or when somebody does something stupid, and and it affects the rest of us. What do you mean? You know, like something some cop does something that gets national attention, and then everyone hates cops. But like I said, to be honest, like it, when things like that are going on, our community, the community that I work for, steps up, and they're they're always you know at the red light waving, hey, thanks thanks for what you do. Or they they throw parades. They, they'll they'll tell us, hey, this weekend we're coming by around ten, and they just drive by with all these cars honking with signs showing their support. Oh, they drive by the police station. It's it's crazy. Like they they organize it on their own. So like I said, you know, it, it's it's weird to see my peers in our profession being trashed, but at the same time, I'm feeling a lot of love where I'm at. So. The bystander cell phone video begins with police restraining a man on a Minneapolis street Monday night. An officer is pinning the man face down by pressing his knee into the man's neck. For at least three minutes on the video, the man pleads for help, saying he couldn't breathe at least a dozen times. Then he becomes unresponsive. Bystanders shout at the officers. Get off of him now! 
The man, identified as George Floyd by the lawyer representing his family, was later pronounced dead at the hospital. Today, the mayor called it wrong at every level. What we saw was horrible. What's um, what's your opinion on the whole, like, George Floyd and, and that debacle that happened? So, I don't know all the details, and, and I don't know who does. Um, we only get to see what whoever gets to choose what we see shows us, right? That wasn't there. We try not to critique that, but looking at it, um, it's it's if if he was taught to do that, if that's a move that was taught in training, then he's doing what he's trained to do. And and one of the things that we've seen is West Coast agencies get a lot more training than the other agencies in the country. Yeah, so you're breaking up. You said the West Coast gets um, typically gets more training than the other. Yeah. Yeah, or and like higher quality training. Um, like what we watch, we watch them all the time and critique it. Like, dude, what the hell are they thinking? And some of it is we're in such an area. That, I mean, there's tons of cops. Like, if I call for help, not only is my agency sending everybody, it's like the other agencies around us. You know, there's we're not rural. Um, so when you know you see these guys going hands on with somebody all by themselves, why are you? putting hands on somebody when you're by yourself like wait for your backup well their backup might be 30 minutes away i don't know um but when it comes to george floyd like i said if that what they're taught to restrain a, a combative sub- subject and he's doing what he's taught like so so for you it comes down to like whether or not he followed protocol or not if he did then it's just like well that's that's an unfortunate kind of it's a training scar it's terrible that they're trained that way because we don't do that uh, and we're looking at it, and it's like, dude, what? Like, what do you guys do, or what would like your? It sounds like a gang thing. What's the West Coast way of <laughs> dealing with it? So we we have we don't kneel on people, and, and honestly, like we we train and we're wrestling around with each other. If I'm able to talk and yell and scream, I can breathe, you know. And so that's part of the thing. It's like he's screaming that he can't breathe. It's like, well, it seems like he can. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you're trained that, but common sense, dude. Like, how bad is he fighting you that you have to, to take that position? What our training is, is once they're in handcuffs, we sit them up. Um, and if they want to continue to act foolish, well, then we can lay them back down. It's not that hard. He's in handcuffs, right? Right, right. Um, and there's multiple officers now. You're not by yourself. So... You know, it's one thing to look at the training and say, yeah, I was trained that. But at the same time, it's like, well, dude, you're also a, a person you should be able to see. <laughs> like, you know, so what killed that guy, man? I mean, depending on who you ask, it's different things. His, his, his drug things. Like, like, for instance, okay, so I was a taser instructor. I've been tased six times. All right. Full on tased. And so that was during training. When I was first issued a taser, I was tased, so I knew what it was like. Um, I knew what to expect from the person that I'm deploying a taser on. Dude, I want to even put my tongue on a square battery. <laughs> and at each time, they tase you again. So it's like, I've been tased six times, and I'm still alive. 
right? So there's times where we issue, we tase somebody and they die. And they're like, well, you killed them. The taser killed them. The taser is really, really safe. It's the drugs. And then add the taser. And yeah, okay, it aggravated what was already going on, you know. But to me, it's like, okay, what other decisions did this individual make throughout his day that led him into encounter with the police? Right? Because most of the time, we're responding to something. We're very reactive. Someone calls us and we respond. There's there's times where we get to be proactive, but we're very reactive. So this individual makes a bunch of a series of decisions that ends up in a confrontation with the police, and no one cares about that. They just the cops did something. Uh, let's see. Jessica has two questions. What is the deciding factor for whether or not you give someone a ticket or let them off with a warning? And do you think there are biases in that decision-making process? So we're going to go back to four wheels or two. Are they a patrol guy or are they a traffic guy? almost guaranteed you're going to get to patrol guy. You have an opportunity. I would say all the people that I've given uh, warnings to were apologetic. They knew they screwed up. They knew why I pulled them over the second I turned on the lights. And they were like, hey, I'm sorry. This is what I got going on, you know. And, and they seemed sincere. I'm like, okay. So would you say humility and compliance kind of helps your chances? Yeah. Kind of. I mean, dude, you know everything you're doing. You know every law you're breaking while you're driving. <laughs> I, I know I'm going fast. Hey, hold on. Is this a myth or not? Like, can you get out of a speeding ticket if you say, like, oh, I got to take a shit? Or, like, I'm, my girlfriend's pregnant or something like that? You do have an opportunity. But the guys that start off with, watch you pull me over and start throwing attitude and all this other stuff. Oh, I'm going to tell you why I pulled you over. It's going to be written on the tickets later and remind yourself, you know? Um, so, <laughs> dude, we're just people too. We don't want to be dealing with it. Um, if you're a cool customer, then you have an opportunity for a warning, I'd say. But uh, there was a lady. I pulled her over for running a red light. She was pregnant. She said she was having her baby. And I was like, okay. Well, what hospital are you going to? And she named a hospital that was right down the street. I'm like, okay. It's like, have fun. Uh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> but it struck me as odd that she was driving herself and had a van full of people. So I followed them. And she passed the hospital, realized I was following them, turned around, went back to the hospital. And then she's the only person that gets off the car walks into the hospital so i parked my car behind their car so it couldn't get out and then i walked into the hospital asked talk to doctors like hey you know what's going on she's not having a baby like like i don't even know why she came down here we don't have a labor in and her hospital was up in whittier where she lives so i was like okay so i wrote her a ticket you can still do that yeah i saw the violation and yeah i don't have to write it immediately right there Oh, I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know if, like, once they drive off, if you're a window of opportunity to give them the ticket. Is, so you can just kind of, as long as you personally witnessed it, you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I continue to, yeah, so then I continued basically the investigation following her, right? Oh, it's shit. not like I left, handled another call, and then went back. With some binoculars or something. Can't do that. But I, I essentially didn't terminate my contact with her. I just allowed her to go to the hospital in case she was having a baby, right? 
which she didn't look like she was having a baby either. She was definitely pregnant. So then I ended up writing her the ticket and then impounding her car because she didn't have a license. I know, I know, I'm an asshole. Um, but she tried to pull the wool over my eyes. Um, and then probably within the next two weeks, um, he took a red, but he was making a right-hand turn and pull him over. He's like, my wife's having a baby. And I look over, and she is clearly in labor. There's a car seat in the back that's thrown in there. It's upside down. There's a couple bags, like suitcase-style bags. So I'm like, they just threw that stuff in the car, and they split. Like, where are you going? And he told me, I'm like, drive safe, dude. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> so it all depends. <laughs> this is probably dumb to get me into more trouble. If my <laughs> wife was in labor and a cop was, like, spinning, I'd be like, I'm just not going to. I'm going to keep going to the hospital. And then, like, you know what I mean? And then you can arrest me there. But, like, my, my, hopefully, like, would that be okay if, like. No. I, like, what? <laughs> no, like, that what creates if, more problems. Oh, my God. But then what if, like, she gives birth in the car or some shit? No, that's, that becomes, that's more problems. Well, I'm, I'm emergency, I'm emergency child uh, birth certified. Um, oh. Not that I ever want to deliver a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but we all are, all offs. I did not know that. Medics are so close, man, all the time. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, don't do that. You can end, <laughs> up, you can end up with a felony, dude. Um, oh, shit. All right. So, maybe I think we're having this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, bathroom. Oh, yeah, um, yeah the, the diarrhea or whatever. I had a girl that said she needed to, to go because she had diarrhea. I looked at her address on the license. It was inside our city. I followed her home. <laughs> she ran inside to use the restroom, and I still wrote her the ticket. But I allowed her to use the restroom, right? Um, it was an egregious violation, dude. It was seriously, uh, I, you know, I've had this. She passed, I mean, I get it. You want to use your own throne. But she passed, I don't know how many other bathrooms to, to do that, and it was unsafe. She, she took a red. You know, and her mom was yelling at me and screaming. It's like she had to go to the bathroom. Like, I get that, but she passed some other bathrooms and she's putting other people at danger, man. Like, yeah, because like what you were talking about earlier with that that very first accident you were talking about with the father and son, someone who quote has to use a bathroom could have caused that as well. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It's like, like sometimes you got to use that gas station bathroom, man. You know. Um, what is the most accurate police movie you've seen and would recommend as the best portrayal of police life? Uh, End of Watch was really, really good. Oh, Gyllenhaal? Is that the one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Their, their camaraderie, the way that they talk shit in the car, talk spot on, um, with the way that we interact with one another, um, I, 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 I cried at the end of that movie because um, yeah. it was just so um, close to home. Um, but like work-wise, um, you know, they, you never see how much paperwork there is. So it's ninety, it's a lot, ninety percent. You get into a fifteen-minute writing room, like five hours. Good lord. Um, uh, let's see, what was that TV show? Mike with the, with the <laughs> no, it had the Michael Cut, um, 
It was LAPD. It only went a couple seasons. What about that show Cops? Bad boys. Bad, like, is that... I mean, obviously that's real, but is that like an exaggerated version of what you do? No, I mean, so it's real, um, but they don't show you all the back ends. You know, it's always just whatever the calls and stuff. And then I feel like anytime there's a camera around, the, the legit persona, you know, someone's going to put on their camera persona. Sure, yeah. um, so... I mean, it's accurate in terms of, yeah, they're going to calls, they're handling calls. Uh, um, oh, this is from Jessica. Do you honestly think there is or is not a legitimate culture of racism within the police force, either in the training, conditioning, or enforcement of laws? Do you genuinely believe that people of color are treated equally and fairly compared to white or affluent people? Oh, no, not not in the training, not in our culture. Um, I would say there's no there's no racism. It's definitely definitely not. Um, there are racists out there and some of them become cops, but it's definitely not um, as far as I've seen. And like, again, I can only speak for my agency, but I would feel that it's pretty similar. Um, it's not perpetuated by our policies. It's not perpetuated by or any, anything. Um, there's just some of them out there, um, unfortunately. Uh, oh, do you, do you genuinely believe that people of color are treated equally and fairly compared to white or affluent people? I, so I haven't seen anything. Otherwise, I would to the attention of my sergeant and it would go up. Um, in terms of my peers treating any other anybody differently that I could point to racism. Um, we don't care. We really don't. Um, it doesn't matter. We're, when we get a call, we're going there, we're having a call. It doesn't matter who you are. I've arrested a candidate for city council. Um, it doesn't matter to me. Crime is the crime. Someone called. Guess what? I'm just going to notify my chain of command so they can stand by to deal with it and they're not caught with their pants down. Um, it doesn't matter. Would you say most of them are like, are like you? I would say the, the ones that I work with, yeah. We don't care, man. We really don't. Um, we're just there to handle the call. Um, it, all, it's all, it all comes down to the individual, right? Um, I have black family members. My, they, you know, they married into my family. Um, I'm Asian, by the way. <laughs> For people that don't know, <laughs> I remember my name's Jeff, but I'm Asian. Um, <laughs> and uh, so my cousin marrying a black man, he's now my family. His family is my family. Um, they're good people, middle class people, um, you know, and there's no problems. But I hear stories that he's told told me about contacts that he's had with police officers and it breaks my heart so to me to hear that he's been treated certain way by a certain cops it's like a brother treating my family member that way you know it's it's it puts me on two sides of hurt like hurt because my family member was treated that way and because it was done by like professionally and personally my, my yeah you know it's it's so they're out there when you hear about that are you allowed to go like if he goes hey i was in <clears throat> you know, this city or this state, whatever, are you allowed to 
like report that to a different because you being a police officer, are you allowed to to go to that police? Yeah. Anyone can. Yeah, okay. anyone can. There's a there's a complaint process. But most of this stuff was back when he was young. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I uh, pulled over a guy uh, making an illegal U-turn, and he's he works for a car dealership in the city. He knows the chief personally. He donates to the golf tournament. Blah blah blah. I'm like, that's that's cool, but you still fucking made that illegal U-turn that you pretended like you didn't know was there, but if you work right there, you probably go through this intersection all the time. Yeah, daily. You know? So, you know, wrote him the ticket, and he's like, oh, your chief's going to hear about this. I'm like, okay, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. What's he going to do? I'm doing my job. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. You can't write me up for writing someone a ticket. You know, I don't care if he's your buddy or whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just attitude. Like, if he, like yeah, if he was like, oh, man, I'm sorry, I'm late for work. This U-turn is just quicker. All right, dude. Like, I've been there, you know, where I'm late for work, too. We can relate. But you're going to start dropping names and and expect that I'm going to give you a break. Right, right. We don't like that. Other cops. I've written other cops tickets. It's like LAPD is notorious. They will, they they don't even pull over. They just hang their badge out the way. Dude, that could be a security badge, I know. Pull over and... You know, maybe we can ex- extend some professional courtesy or not, depending on what the violation is, you know. Um, but that sense of entitlement pisses us off. It doesn't matter who it's from. The rich guy in the neighborhood, white, black, whatever, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, we're people. We're going to react to people the same way. So just think about it. If you were on the other side and how you were behaving, how you would appreciate that. Um, so this is the question fucking everyone asked. Um, are there quotas <laughs> for giving out tickets or like rewards for giving out like tickets or incentives or some shit? So we're going to go back to the differences in patrol and traffic. <laughs> Four wheels and two wheels. Right. Um, they don't care if I write a single ticket in patrol. I can go months without writing a ticket. It doesn't matter. If I am in traffic, I am expected to write ticket. Oh shit! Really? Right? Yeah, that's your job. Like um, daily or weekly or monthly? Yeah, there's. I mean, there's no number. But if you're not writing ticket in patrol, I'm expected. Uh, you're breaking up again. You said if you're not writing tickets, something. <laughs> Hold up. All right. Can, can you hear me? Oh yeah, I can hear. Okay. So. Yeah, so in patrol, I'm expected to make arrests. So they're looking at my arrests. They're looking at how many reports I take. It's just a measure to see if you're doing your job. Like if your job is to, you know, your your customer service, how many customer complaints did you handle? And, and what were the result of that? Um, our job is patrol, take reports, and make arrests, right? So they're going to look at those two metrics when they're looking at our productivity. If you're in traffic, take traffic collision reports or write tickets so they're gonna look at those metrics if you're writing a hundred reports and you only wrote five tickets okay but if you wrote 
five reports and five tickets, then you're like, well, what the hell were you doing with the rest of your time? Why are we paying you? So when, when, when do they look at those productivity metrics? Every month. Okay, so if it's monthly, so is it like <laughs> towards the end of the month, you're more likely to get a ticket because if the cop is like, fuck, I've only done like 30 this month, I need to like pick it up. No. No, okay. No. Because here's the thing. You're you're not going to get to make it up. Like, you have to be constantly doing work. Um, You know, to try to make up work on the back end is is retarded. Um, You know, so your supervisor, if they're a good supervisor, is going to know what you're doing. They're going to know you're writing reports, you're doing follow-up investigations, or what you're doing. If we know who sits around and does nothing... Everybody does. You don't have to be a supervisor with access to pull those numbers. Um, you know, everyone already knows who does what. So there's no quota. Like, there's not like, hey, you have to get, you know, a hundred tickets a month or whatever. But it's just a, something that they look at to determine if you're pulling your weight, being productive. So okay. you know, if they might get on your tail if you're not writing tickets or writing reports, then they're like, well, what are you doing? So, okay, okay. Uh, what is the most rewarding part of your job? Another one where there's so many different um, the donuts. So many, yeah, free donuts. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I love like I love kids. I've always loved kids before I had my own. So anytime we get to interact with kids to make them smile and laugh, that's great. Like if I'm sitting at a Target because I just took a report. And a bunch of kids walk by and they wave at me. I might invite them into the police car, play with the buttons, look at the lights, take some pictures, whatever, have some fun. Um, and so anytime we can have a positive interaction with kids, it's good. Uh, putting a good criminal in jail always feels good. Not like, oh, petty theft type stuff, but like, you know, a good one. Um, and when I was in traffic, you know, we're dealing with fatality uh, traffic collisions and some of these cases take years i had i had one it was we went uh, gross vehicular homicide against this guy he was dui he hit a family um killed the dad severely injured the mom and the daughter um and that case went for almost five years before we actually went to trial and then that trial lasted two weeks. And, you know, just being there for that family through the whole thing. And then once we did finally get a guilty conviction um, and the guy goes to prison, getting closure for families like that feels really good. Um, even though it wasn't enough, in my opinion, to be a sentence. Yeah. But things like that, you just, you know. A resolution of justice kind of thing. It feels really good, you know. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, last question. Uh, what advice would you give someone who is thinking about becoming a police officer today? Make sure that it is really what you want to do because you really have to want to do this job to, to deal with all the stuff that we've been talking about. Right. Um, the toll that the job takes on you, the negative uh, attention that you'll get through the media and most of the public that, you know, doesn't know any better, no, no fault of theirs. Um, but make sure that, you know, you have to have that passion for it. Um, there's people that think that it's just, you know, it's easy money and we make decent money and 
for the most part, all you have to have is a high school diploma. So they're like, cool, you know, it's, it's, I've had a trainee literally tell me that he's becoming a cop right now because his professional football career didn't take off. Right. So it's his backup plan to professional football. And I'm like, bro, like, that's not why you become <laughs> that's a police not the officer. correlation you want. Like, that's, that's not why you want to do this job. Dude. Right. Right. Um, you can get hurt. You can hurt somebody else. We have the ability to wildly influence other people's lives uh, for the good or the bad. And that's not something that you can take, you know, willy nilly. It's, it's serious. So you got to really want it. Uh, you have to really understand what you're going to sacrifice. So go on ride alongs, go to the police department. Um, most police departments offer their citizens ride alongs. So you have to be a resident of that city to go on a ride along or applicant. Um, go see what it's about because cops is one thing. Um, you really don't you just get to see it until you're sitting in that seat. Um, it's pretty interesting, but it also depends on when you go. Cause some days, some ride alongs are a curse. It's like, dude, you brought the thundercloud and everything's <laughs> going to hell. Um, and some are just super boring. Like it's just, you know, you're going to have to go on another one because you didn't see anything. Um, but yeah, make sure it's something you really, really want to do for the right reasons. All right, cool. All right. Well, uh, thanks man. Thanks for talking. No, no problem at all, man. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, I don't take any of this stuff personally. If I did, I'd lose my mind. Uh, and actually, uh, the questions weren't as as pointed as I was expecting. I was expecting some some hardcore stuff. There were some mean ones, and I'm like, that's not even a question, man. You just like it was like it was one of them was would it be bad if like all cops died? And I'm like, man, come on, like that's Jesus Christ. Like I, I was I, I just kept like the productive forward ones, the ones that would kind of like drive the ones forward. But yeah, there were some ridiculous ones. But uh, yeah, like I said, happy to do it if it helps shed some light on something and makes people understand something. Then cool.
misrepresentation on everybody's part. I'm sure people of color don't appreciate the scumbag people of color giving them a bad name. It's the same thing. We're painting each other with the same brush. Yeah, and the same thing when we see something, some cop does something stupid somewhere, it's like, dude, really? 